Come on, somebody ought to throw their hands in the air right now and just pray of the Holy Ghost. But we're good at clapping our hands, but why don't you lift your hands and pray of the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it. You can get a miracle right now before we go any farther. You can get deliverance right now before we preach. You can get a breakthrough right now before we can take another minute. Right now with your hands lifted up and your voice lifted up to the Lord, God can come down and do whatever you need him to do. Lift your hands and lift your voice and cry aloud. There's a miracle right here, right now. There's a miracle here, right now. Woo! Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Woo! Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Thankfully tonight, I'm not going to be like Jacob and say, and I knew it not. I'm going to recognize that the Spirit of the Lord is here, and I'm going to take advantage of it. How about you? Amen. As you make your way back to your seats, I want to turn your attention to the book of Psalms, chapter 137. And as you get your Bibles to turn there let me say again what an honor it is to be here 238 conference and I honor the ministry of this church Pastor Bradford and his family my friend Peyton and London Bradford I love dearly my wife is here my children are somewhere causing trouble upstairs for Brother Hodge he got the Holy Ghost last night, though. Woo. Hey, I, I, I do want to say this. Thank, I want to thank this congregation for setting the atmosphere for that to happen. The Bible says when Zion travails, sons and daughters are born into the kingdom. You can't, you can't just pray people through to the Holy Ghost. The atmosphere has to be right. And God did it. God did it. God did it. Amen. I, I leaned over this morning to Bishop Frost. Again, I give honor to Bishop Frost. I love this man. He, and um, I told him, I said, there's two kind of preachers make me want to preach. One that can and one that can't. And I'll let you decide what category that man that preached this morning is in. Because did we ever hear a word from God? Thank you, Brother McDonald, for preaching the word of God to us. And I'm going to hurry up and get out the way. And let him preach tomorrow. Amen. Psalms chapter 137 verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there 
They that carried us away captive required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And verse 4, in my opinion, is probably one of the most dreary verses in Scripture as God's people replied, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I want to tell you tonight, I don't have a sad song to sing. I don't have a sad song to sing. With your help and the help of the Lord, I want to preach for the next few moments this title that the Lord has given me, A Melody in the Madness. A Melody in the Madness. Would you help me right now by setting your Bibles to the side and lifting your hands to heaven and ask God to move in this house. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Give you glory and honor and thanks. There's nobody like you, Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, right now, let the anointing come through this house. Help us, change us, challenge us. Make us like you, Jesus. Anoint us. Bring us together. Raise up an army out of this congregation in this house tonight that will tear hell's kingdom down. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? And while you're doing it, make it a Bible hand clap and put your voice with it and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of victory. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. You may be seated. Greater Bakersfield First Pentecostal Church will tell you that I love a good series. You can hear them chuckling a little bit. We got about 10 of them going on right now in revival here. And so if it's all right, can I just pick up where I left off last Thursday night of 238 conference last year? Can I do that? I know some of y'all ain't going to remember it, and that's okay, but for the rest of you, will you just... We'll ride with them, and we'll just catch them up later. Most here have most probably heard the psalm that I have read to you today preached on more than one occasion. It is a somber and dark time. This is not typically the text that you would take on a Thursday night of conference for the simple fact that God's people are talking about the moment that they gave up their harps put them upon the willows, and now their songs have been silenced. There are a lot of debates about who wrote this song, but regardless of who wrote it, it's important to note that the people of God, like we talked about last year, they're in exile, and it's not for no reason, but God has turned them over because of their idolatry. And once God has done that, there's good people that go along with the bad people. Unfortunately, they have to go and live in captivity as well. Psalms chapter 137 paints a grim picture as God's people are weeping. And they are looking and asking the question, why did the destruction of the temple happen? And then they begin to ask for the destruction of the enemies of God's people. This particular group of harpers, regardless of who it is, what we do know about them is they have been removed from the temple and are being forced to entertain the deity of Babylon. 
And if that isn't enough, some of their own brethren have turned their back and given up to jeering them as well, saying, sing us a song of Zion. This is a time of mass chaos and confusion for the worshipers of God. Why must we go through exile when we were not a part of the problem? Why must we go through the tests when we were worshipers in the house of the Lord? But I want to tell you tonight that in order to get where we're going, you got to get this simple revelation. And this is simply that this is a generation that we're talking about here in Scripture. They were not there when the manna fell from heaven. They weren't there when Jericho's walls fell. They weren't there when the Red Sea was part and two. This generation is a lot like you and I in the fact that they got the revelation of the mighty God not in the wilderness and not with the manna and not at Jericho's walls, but they got the revelation of the almighty God in the house of God. Like most here tonight, they came into the church and they felt the spirit of God and they responded to the spirit of God. And now the place, the place of revelation here in our reading, the place of glory, the place where God's presence would come down, it is gone. Babylon has removed God's people from the place of revelation. And how unfortunate it is that some immature people, that when you remove them from the place of revelation, they leave the revelation at the place that they found it. And so because of that, some people begin to fall off the bandwagon because they're not in the location where they got the revelation of how big God is. But can I tell you on this Thursday night of 238 that God never intended for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ to be in a singular geographical location. God never intended for you to get high church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night and walk out the door and forget everything about who God is and how big God is. But I've come to tell you on Thursday night that he's not just God in the temple, but he's God in Babylon too. He's not just God. God at church. He's God at your school. He's He's God in your home. He's God on your job. He's God when you're driving down the road in your pickup truck. He's God in the good days. And he's still God on the bad days. I don't know what kind of God you're serving, but the kind of God I serve, it doesn't matter what Babylon does. He's still God. And he's still on the throne. I know, Brother McDonald, I'm that country bumpkin, okay? And so where I grew up, they played flat tops and banjos. They, they used to sing an old song that said he's God on the platform. And he's God at the back door. He's God in the amen corner. And he's God all over this floor. Now, I know it's just a country song that some of y'all probably ain't ever heard. But it was just a country bumpkin's way of saying it don't matter where you go or what you're going through. This God we serve is alive. And he's all 
Somebody needs to get a revelation of how big your God is and look the devil in the eye and say, it don't matter what you do, you're not taking my song because my God is big. My God is strong. My God is able. I can't dance when I'm not at the house of God. Why not? Y'all ain't going to help me preach. I can't shout while I'm, at, while I'm not at church. Let me tell you something, honey. You're looking at a man right now that got the Holy Ghost laying in his grandmother's living room. There wasn't no high preacher there. There wasn't no big names. There wasn't a choir. But in my grandmother's living room during prayer time, the Holy Ghost fell on me as a seven-year-old boy. You don't have to be at church to know that God is God. You can know when you're going down the halls of your high school and Babylon's looking you in the eye. Baby, go in the bathroom. Lock the door and have yourself a Holy Ghost fit and just let the devil know my God is bigger than Babylon. If you're not careful, you'll look at everything around you and you'll forget what God did for you. Say, well, I was raised in church. Yeah, but your mom and daddy might not have been. And if they were, your grandparents might not have been. You're, somewhere down the line, you had a knucklehead in the family tree that was out there living for the devil, and God saved them. In essence, he saved you down the line. And now you're walking in truth because God is God. It's a mad world out there. I don't think I have to... I, 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 I just... Honestly, sometimes I get accused of being prophet obvious, and it's, it's true. You don't have to be a prophet to look at the world around us and say, we are living in a messed up, twisted, perverted world. If you would have told me when I was some of your age that the world would look like it looks right now, I'd have laughed. I'm a young man. I'm only 31 years old. But I'm going to tell you something. Lots changed in the last 15 to 20 years. Our world is messed up. You know what's so awesome about that? God's still God. That, I know y'all waiting until the end for me to get to the good part. I'm at the good part right now, baby. God's still God. That's it. At the end of the day, he's still on the throne, and all power in heaven and earth is still in his hand. That's why I can shout while I'm in Babylon, because I know Babylon doesn't rule me. I'm a part of another kingdom, and in that kingdom, I got a king that reigns and rules forever. We sing the Lord's song in a strange land. How can we sing the Lord's songs while we're having to live in Babylon? It's a mad world, preacher. How do you expect me to be apostolic when I'm the only one in my high school that is apostolic? Everybody's making fun of me. 
And? Because let me tell you, while you're hanging up their hearts, there's a man by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah chapter 45 to chapter 55, it's written to the people of God while they're in Babylon. This Isaiah I'm telling you about is interesting because in almost every prophecy that Isaiah gives, he reaches in both directions. He reaches into the past and he reaches into the future. Now, this ain't what I'm preaching, but just write this down. It'll help you. Beware of a prophet that can only tell you your past. And beware of a prophet that can only tell you your future. Because a real prophet knows how to reach backwards and forwards. Isaiah is that prophet. Bishop, can you help me? Do, you, do, they, do they have a mic up here for Bishop? This is the best reading. I, this man can read. I'm getting him to read because I have to sound out some of these words. Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah begins to prophesy to the people of God that are living in Babylon. And what does he say, Bishop? Hearken to me. Pay attention. Ye that follow after righteousness. Now, that lets me know that not everybody fell off the bandwagon. Right, right. Can I just preach to you? Not everybody's backsliding. This is why they're in Babylon. But Brother Young, there's still some people in the youth group that are staying in church. I know the devil would love to tell you because you go to a small church and, and you don't have a youth group of 100 people. All you got is five and that some of them are struggling and everybody's going to backslide. Not everybody's backsliding. Not everybody's going the way of the world. Not everybody's walking away from truth. There's some young people and I believe they showed up at 238 and when the man of God said hearken righteousness, they heard and they can listen. I know, listen, I've been doing this long enough. I know not everybody's here to, be, to have church. Some, oh, help me, Jesus. I feel that meddling spirit getting all over me right now. Some of y'all just showed up to see what so-and-so was wearing. Some of y'all wouldn't have even came if it wouldn't have been for him or her. But not all of us are just worried about that. You know what I got to say to you? You need to stop drinking the Kool-Aid of Babylon and come on over to the winning side. Not everybody's going to backslide. There's an army in this house. God has a people even in a messed up world. He said, hearken unto me. All the people that are at church, what did he say then? Ye that seek the Lord. Ye that seek the Lord. What did he say? Look unto the rock. Look unto the rock. From which you were hewn. From whence you were hewn. And to the hole. Now hold on a second, Bishop. We got to preach through this. There's too much on the bone here. Y'all sit down. I'm not done. I'm just getting started. Look unto the rock. Where are they at? They're living in 
Babylon. But in order to get the full picture of what's happening here, you got to go back to when Babylon first started really being a big bad dude. You got to go back to a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And you got to read about how Nebuchadnezzar thought he was all out in a bag of chips. But God used Nebuchadnezzar. Can, can y'all put Daniel chapter 2 up there for me? Daniel, ha, Daniel comes on the scene. And Daniel begins to tell him his vision that he's seen, his dream. Thou, king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. Next verse. This image's head was of fine gold, brass in his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass. Next verse. His legs of iron, feet part clay, part iron. Next verse. Thou sawest still that a stone, God help me, Jesus, was cut out with hands, which smote the image. What, what did Isaiah say? Look under the rock from which you were hewn. So what he's literally telling us, Brother Peyton Bradford, is that God cut us out of the rock. And when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, he saw a stone cut out with hand. And it would smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and of clay and break them to pieces. Now, I don't want to mess up your little eschatological views, but let me tell you what something. What God is going to use to tear down that image until the day of his return was his church back then. And it's going to be his church today. And it's going to be his church tomorrow. So he preaches to some people that are in Babylon and said, you need to turn around and remember what Nebuchadnezzar saw because he saw a stone that was hewn out with hands. So turn around and look at what I made you out of. Isaiah was prophesying to a group of people that had hung up their harps and he said, baby, I made you out of the stuff that was going to tear the image down. Lord, help me to not let my redneck come out too bad. Because he really wants out right now. I'm going to say this is, Sister Young's nervous. I'm going to say this as diplomatic as I can. When? When are you going to stop being a sissy? You were made for this. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. Look at what God made you out of. He didn't make you out of stuff that crumbles. He made you out of the stuff that tears down images. You ought to just reach over and shake somebody and tell them, I'm built different. I'm not built like everybody else. I don't walk like the Babylonians. I don't talk like the Babylonians. I might have to live in Babylon, but I'm built different. I'm built out of the stuff that tears hell's kingdom down. I'm built out of the stuff that's going to have victory. Don't tell me you can't make it. 
Don't tell me how bad it is. God made you out of the stuff that can take the storm. I'm sick and tired. Listen, I'm, I've added up to here of young people. You knuckleheads. Well, you didn't have to deal with what I had to deal with. So what? Do you know what God made you out of? The problem is you're too busy looking at Babylon. I'm going to tell you something. On your own, you won't ever make it. On your own, you let's just be honest. All of us are failures. All of us are no good. All of us can't make it, but the good shepherd found us. You can't do it on your own. It's not you anyway, but it's inside out. It's... It's greater and see that's it. I think that's the theme of what God's trying to tell this generation. Brother McDonald, uh, greater is he uh, that is in me uh, than he that's in this world. Uh, I might not be anything, but I got a God. I got a God that is able. Look unto the rock. From when she were hewn. Then what did he say, Bishop? And to the hole of the, to the pit. the hole of, of the, the pit. pit. When she were digged. When she were digged. Isaiah is doing what he does best. He's reaching backwards. And he's reaching forwards. And he's telling us. And he's telling them. Ye that follow Righteousness. I know you're in Babylon. Listen, am I by myself when I say that Babylon's still alive? I, I, I know Babylon's been torn down, but the spirit of Babylon's still alive. And if you won't believe that, you got your head in the sand. It's a new faith and the same spirit. Those of you that are having to live in Babylon, you that's that follow righteousness. Look unto the rock from when she was here. Look unto the hole of the pit. Naturally, you can't see this without, I, I, I mean, you just got to look at what Isaiah's talking about. He's reminding God's people of what it was like. Because this word pit is literally translated as prison in the Hebrew language. And he's saying, look back at the prison that I brought you out of. What's he referring to? He's referring to Egypt. Don't you remember? This is not the first time you've been in captivity. This is not the first time you've had to deal with being slavery. This is not the first time that you've had to go through depression. I'm preaching to a young person now. This is not the first time you ever, you ever had to walk through anxiety. But look unto the hole of the pit from which you were digged. That was Isaiah's redneck way of saying, look where God brought you from. 
I've known, I know y'all saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and y'all, I get all that. But some of us around here know what it's like to come out of some stuff. And don't you dare, don't you dare let the devil put you back in that pit and convince you that there's no way out of Babylon because if he did it before, he can do it again. He's the same yesterday. You don't believe God will bring you out of a pit? Will he do it? If you, if you only knew this boy's story. I've, I've been around him a little bit. If you only knew this boy's story. If you only knew the hell that he had to go through. And, and oh, yeah, he, he looks nice. He's got on a, a, a suit and tie, and he, he's got him a, a notepad. He's taking notes and a pen. But he ain't always looked like this. Oh, I... I said it about him because I know he can take it. Some of y'all get so offended because you got this picture-perfect Pentecostal pose. You so perfect, Jesus looks bad. I'm next to you. But you know what you need to do? You need to turn around and look at where God brought you from and realize that I'm here by the blood of the Lamb. I'm here because God the Good Shepherd found me. You were depressed, you were addicted, you were strung out, you were dysfunctional, but God found you and he put you together. And because he's good, because he's perfect, because he's strong, you're here today. Don't, don't, don't tell me you young people don't have a testimony. I've not heard too many of your testimonies. Don't tell me you don't have a story to tell. Walking up and down the halls of Babylon, sing your song. We wept. We wept when we hung up our harps. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We're going to get to that in a minute. But then he says, look at the, look at the rock once you were here. Yeah, y'all are figuring this out now. Sit down. <laughs> That's how this goes. The hole of the pit, when you were digged, and read, Bishop. Look unto Abraham your father. I wish I had time to preach about that, but I don't. We're going we're gonna to rush through this scripture because we got to get to the next one. And Sarah. unto Sarah. And to Sarah. That bear you. That bear you? For I called him alone. Called him alone? And blessed him. And blessed him? And increased him. Man, I'm just preaching part two. You know what another word for increase is? Multiplied. Yeah. yeah. He multiplied him. Next verse. For the Lord. For the Lord. Shall comfort Zion. Shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. All her waste places. Oh, It's just a burn over field in my high school. I've been trying to get a Bible study. It's a wasteland. All right. God's got a way. 
I, again, I know y'all want something deeper than this. This is all I got. God's got a way. God's big. God's in control. What else you want me to say? Read. And he will make her wilderness. Wilderness. Like Eden. Like Eden. Now, I want you to understand, Eden is where Adam fell. We all know that in the beginning. And when he was driven out, the, the purpose of him being driven out, it, I know we preach it, it's rebellion and all of that stuff, but God tells us why he removes him from the Garden of Eden. He said, lest he eats from the tree of life, and he lives forever. And so this, this driving out of Adam was for the sole purpose of cutting man off from the tree of life where he will live forever. And God says, I will take your wilderness and turn it into Eden. Adam and Eve, Eve failed. They were lured into this sin, the sin of idolatry. You eat this, you'll be like God. That's what he said. They're driven out. They're lured in and they're driven out. God says, I know you're in Babylon. I know things don't look good. But your wilderness is going to turn into Eden. And Isaiah's reaching backwards. Forwards. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And Jesus, who was all man and all God, when he's there in Matthew chapter 4, you know the story, he's tempted. That, and he tells him, get behind me, Satan. He's tempted again. Get behind me, Satan. And he brings him up to a pinnacle, and he shows him all of the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, you'll take this. You'll bow down to me. All of this will be yours. And Jesus, I love, Jesus was a smart aleck. I'm just telling y'all. He says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know what he's saying, devil? I created you. Who are you? How are you going to give me a kingdom that I'm just letting you down here live in? Yeah, yeah. I already own this. Yeah. That's free. It didn't cost you nothing. And this is the point where we see the wildernesses become like Eden because he defeats sin. Here in the wilderness, he overcomes temptation, opening the door, opening a pathway. Back to the tree of life. How did he do that? Because he shows us a way to put humanity under his feet. He goes to the cross. He bears the cross. He bears our shame. He gives up the ghost. He goes and takes the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He, he brings himself back from the grave. And now he is alive forevermore for the purpose of what? So that you could come and you could put your flesh under your feet. And you could get baptized in Jesus' name. And you could receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now there's a door. Before Jesus went there, there was no door. But Isaiah prophesies and he says, I'm seeing through a glass window dark. I don't understand all of this, but what I do know is the wilderness is going to be like Eden, and there's going to be a pathway back to the tree of life, and you're going to be able to live forever. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yes. That's why. That's why he says, on you that are living in Babylon. And you're having to deal with all these people. And it's a mad world. Don't worry. Because the door is going to get open. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way? Didn't he say, I am 
the door. He was talking about the same door that Isaiah was prophesying about here. Your wilderness will be turned into the garden of Eden. And he says, what, what, what does he say after that? Wilderness into Eden. Then he says something about desert. Read. And her desert. Her desert. Into the garden of the Lord. Into the garden of the Lord. Now the word desert in its, in its most simple form. Sorry, we just have Bible study for a minute. We're going to preach again here in a minute. We just have Bible study for a minute. In the simplest form, it's saying it's sterile. Nothing can grow there. Well, why is it sterile? Being sterile doesn't just mean that there's bad ground. If you, if you understand an Old Testament terminology of sterile, you understand that a sterile piece of ground is not just dirt that don't grow fruit, but it's a place that can be attacked by the enemy. It's a place that the smallpox that spoils the vine can slip in. And so what's the point in planting a field if you can't eat anything out of the field? And he says, I will take your deserts or sterile places and make them like the garden of the Lord. Now, there, there's a couple times that this word garden is used in this, in this fashion. But literally here, it means the fenced garden. Now, that makes me want to shout because I know where I'm going and you don't. He says it's sterile because the enemy can come in and steal every time you get fruitful. But I'm going to turn your deserts, the places that the enemies can attack, into the garden, the oh, yeah. fenced gardens of the Lord. You know what he was saying? I'm going to put a hedge about you. And I can't preach about that without understanding. He was literally talking about the blood of Jesus. That would be a hedge about you. And a I'm going to tell you this generation, one thing we have lost that we need to get back to is like my grandmama used to do. When the devil's coming against you, you walk through the house, I plead the blood. I, I plead. He was prop. I don't get it. Isaiah didn't understand it all. But he said, I'm looking at something right now, and it might be sterile ground now, but there's a day uh, where God's going to plant your garden, uh, and it's going to be in a fenced garden, uh, and the devil's not going to be able to come in. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself right here. But let me just tell you something. If you can't see heaven in that, you're blind. Lay not up for yourself treasures where moth and rust doth corrupt. But lay up for yourself treasures. Rust can't get it. The moth can't get it. The thief can't break. You want to know why? It's a fenced garden. It's the garden of the Lord. It's a place the devil ain't got no business going in and checking on my 401k. I'm putting it up there. Let's read. Joy and gladness. Joy and gladness. Shall be found therein. That sounds like heaven too. And what does it say then? And the voice of melody. You mean in this mixed up, messed up world? You mean in Babylon? I say, you, you. I, I know. I can tell by the way some of y'all looking at me. You don't believe me. Go home and study it and figure out I'm right. He's prophesying to people that are in Babylon. Brother Young, they've hung up their hearts, and he prophesies 
He's not just talking about a day to come. He's talking about something's going on in Babylon right now. He, he's, he's, he's not just reaching in, in, into the, the heavenly realm where we're going to experience one day when Jesus calls us home. He's talking about stuff right down here, right now. And, and I don't want to mess with your theology, but let me just tell you something. We've got it mixed up in Pentecost when we start talking about the promised land. We have an improper analogy of the promised land. Because we always singing songs and talking about when we get to the promised land and we look at that as heaven. That's not heaven. The promised land, milk and honey flows, that's for the earth. That's for you to walk in while you're here. And I know, I can tell, some I mean, of you don't believe me, but I, I want you to answer this for me. If, if the promised land is heaven, then why are there giants? Why is there battles and why are there fenced cities that you got to fight through? God said, you're missing it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The voice of melody. This word melody is the Hebrew word samar. And it means to sing praise. But it is implied that this form of praise is not just to sing. It tells you how to do it. It means to pluck the strings. Well, we can't have revival. Because we have to live in Babylon. So we might as well hang up our harps. But Isaiah prophesies. He says there will be joy. And there will be gladness. And the voice of Samar, which means you're going to pluck those strings, Brother Wilma. Now, there's two different ways in, in biblical terms that you can pluck strings. And I, I've got Brother Jacob here. He's going to help me right now. So let's make sure that bass is unmuted if you don't mind. And, and, and so there, there's one that's soft and beautiful, and it's just finger style. Play for me. Just play something pretty. Ain't that pretty? Give my hand. Ain't that pretty? Well, that's one way that you can do samar. But there's another way. This way's a wee little bit more aggressive. And it literally means to pluck the strings. Help me out. Do you hear the difference? One's soft and pretty. The other one's aggressive. Makes you want to kind of bob your head a little bit. Just so happens, Brother McDonald, in the punctuation, you can actually find out the way the Samar is written here. And it's not soft and pretty. I'll wait. Some of y'all will get that in a minute. It's not quiet and quaint. But this Samar is bold. Can I just put it like this? This is how I fight my battles. You ain't going I know it's praise, but it's the way I fight my way out. Even in Babylon, God left me with a weapon, and my heart might be hanging on the willows, but you can't take my song. I've got a samar in my spirit. When, when you understand, now, 
this, Jesus, help me, Lord, because I want to chase every rabbit that's running across this platform right now, and I can't chase them all. But it, it implies that you're not just going to fight. And, and, and Literally, the musical term, Brother Soundman, am I, am I telling you the truth, that when, when, you, when, when you want it to bite a little bit more, they've got a thing on that soundboard called attack. And you can turn attack up. Help me, Jesus, I'm about to have a come apart right now. You can turn the attack up, and it sounds different. You just need to turn the attack up a little bit. I, I know you're living in Babylon. I, I know, I get it. Everything around you is telling you be quiet. But God said there's going to be a melody. There's going to be an attack that comes out of the people. Hey, hey, hey. That's going to be something that comes out of the house of God. And it's going to take everything in its path. <laughs> to these people that are hearing Isaiah, they literally see it as David would write in Psalms 25 and 15. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. They see this Samar as, as I give praise, God picks me up out of the net. Is this starting to sound like a rapture yet? Is this starting? I, I know Babylon looks bad right now, but you keep singing your song. Because while you're singing, there's a voice. And it's going to sound like a trumpet. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then us that are alive and remain shall be called up. That's why in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, it, I, look, I, I'm trying. I'm not going to preach all this. I promise. I got like seven more pages of the notes. Ain't no way I'm getting to it all. Y'all don't mean that. Stop lying. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. It kind of looks like what Isaiah was saying. You're living in Babylon. But he goes on in verse 19. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Speak to yourself in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Like this, singing and making melody. Where? In your heart. Listen, I don't know how to preach like a conference preacher. I'm not a conference preacher. I'm a revival preacher. And as a revival preacher, just let me tell you like this. You can't sit around. And blame all of the stuff going on on the outside. Because he said when you make a melody inside. This don't start because I heard a good tune. This started because something was inside of me. And it balled out of me. I'm done. I'm done. But watch this. Musicians, y'all help me. If you don't, I'll preach all night. Psalms chapter 138. Now, 137. I don't know why they did this, Brother McDonald, but it's really cool. They said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Psalms chapter 137. Psalms chapter 138. It's, it's a totally different era. 
I don't know who lined these psalms up, but I would love to give him a high five. Because this is David writing. Psalms 137. We're in Babylon. We don't have no reason to shout. Hang up our harps. But David, in the next psalm in our Bible, says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Look at this. Before, we know he's not in an ideal condition. He's surrounded by idolatry. Because he says, before the little G gods will I sing praise unto thee. I don't know. I just got to believe it was a redneck like me that said, we ought to put that right behind Psalms 137 because they didn't want to shout in Babylon. But David said, if you don't want to praise him, watch me praise him. If you don't want to shout, watch me shout. What? Well, that, that's just verse 1. Say, well, you know, this is David. He's the king. He, he lives in Jerusalem. Everything's perfect for David. Not so, Fred. I will worship toward thy holy temple. You know what David's telling us? I ain't at church. I'm living in less than ideal conditions, but I'm going to turn towards the holy temple. And I'm going to praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. What David is telling those children in Babylon, just like he's telling you, just like he's telling me, is you might not be in church, but you just need to. I, listen, I get it. We live in a world right now that you just about can't survive without a college degree. So you, I, I encourage you, go to college, get a degree, get a trade. And the deal is, there's going to be some Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whatever night you have midweek, that college might get in the way. And I'm going to tell you, you need to go get your education. Well, you, need to, you know what you need to do while you're on the college campus? Apple Maps. You can find out where the church is. And do like David. I'm in Babylon. But I'm going to turn myself towards the church. You don't want to praise him? Watch me praise him. You don't want to live right? That's why. Watch me live right. You don't want to dance? Watch Right before all the little G-gods of Babylon, I'm going to shout and show forth the praises of the Lord. You can't tell me that you ain't got a reason to shout. I, look, I'm not convinced. I, I was preaching a while back ago. And I, I, I was in this really good revival church. And this little lady come up to me. And, and while we were having church, she looked at me. And this is one of them sweet little ladies that, that sits on the porch every morning, drinks coffee, and reads a newspaper. 
And you can tell she reads the newspaper. Because she asked me the question. She said, preacher, how can you shout when the world is in the shape that it's in? You know what I told her? I just looked at her. And this is why I said, when I think about Jesus, what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus, how he set me free, I can dance, 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 dance all night. Y'all didn't come to have church because y'all still worried about what they're doing. See, because when somebody says, when I think about Jesus, that should be as far as you get. You shouldn't have to think about all he done. When I think about Jesus, that's enough. I wonder if there's a saint of God living in Babylon right now that'll sing a melody in the madness. Come on, somebody give him praise. Somebody shout. you lived in Babylon, you needed the, the harps. But there's somebody here right now that says, you want to know something? If I'm not in Jerusalem, I'm still praising. Well, I, know, I know some of y'all are trying to figure it out right now, but I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is here to give you strength over whatever it is that's been fighting you. And what you got to figure out is how to get in the spirit. Come on, you ought to link up with somebody right now. Pray to you, pray too. We're going to pray till we pray through right here. Because some of you are just shouting to shout. But I didn't come to just get you to shout. There's a breakthrough in this house. Come on, there's some of you, you've been struggling for months. And I'm not calling you to shout. I'm calling you to pray through in Babylon. Come on, you need to pray until it's a river of living water that's flowing up out of your belly. You need to pray until there's an attack in your spirit. Pray to your praying in the Holy Ghost and it'll rub off on them. 
Come on, pray to your praying in the Holy Ghost, and it'll rub off on them. Come on, there's victory here. There's victory here. There's victory here. There's victory here. Yeah! Come. 